When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Selgier, winnerscoming.net, and Cheryl Wallstarculture.com talk all things Game of Thrones, Slinger by Sapphire, Fantasy Fiction. Cheryl, how are you? I, I'm in kind of this, like, post-Game of Thrones zombie mode, almost. Are you like, really? I'm a little tired. Like, I'm like, I have, like, no focus for television right now. <laughs> I I just, I just don't want to be disappointed again. Um, Ooh, hot take. <laughs> Well, lukewarm take. Medium warm. Like, we we put it in the oven, but we took it out to let it cool off. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the episode before. Before we go any further, <laughs> I liked it, and I'll be arguing for it. Julie, I, I know you were a big fan. so... Um, By the way, hello, everybody. Hello, yes, Kenny, Elise. I love the name. Uh, Christian Delario, Julie, of course. Karen Lembo. With a comment from Julie, instead of criticizing D and D, how about thanking them for bringing the show to us? Thank you, D and D. And I do. Th- I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody has to thank Benny Off and Weiss for making this show, but it's something you can certainly do. And I thank them. I mean, at the end of the day, I had a lot of fun TV watching over the past uh, bunch of years, thanks yeah. to this great cast and crew. So you know what? Yeah, kudos to the Game of Thrones cast and crew for bringing us eight years of television. <laughs> Okay, so today, people, um, we're going to talk about the finale, season finale Game of Thrones, obviously. The Iron Throne. It's no secret there has been a bunch of uh, negative feedback <laughs> online. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely... Um, it, it's not weird that it's been known to happen before. Like, there are other series finales of important shows that have... Well, I don't know, important. That have disappointed people like loss is an obvious one dexter is legendary even seinfeld didn't do till all the time sopranos picked up a lot of dirt at the time although i think that was pretty aged pretty well yeah um first off i enjoyed the episode i really did i remember right after we watched it um and after i wrote about it i felt kind of at peace like okay it's done and i did think it tied things up without being too persnickety about it and, uh, you know, had some light and dark in there. I, I, I do think, and I said this on the On Our Wit Club episode, that that should have been two episodes. One yeah. of Daenerys dying, kind of that being the end, and the other being the rest because the tones were so different. Overall, I enjoyed it, and um, I, I did feel satisfied. But I know people do not feel that way in a lot of parts of the internet. Yeah, I am at, like, a solid, like, 
68 to 70, like 7% of my problem with this entire season has been the execution of it. And by execution, I primarily mean the writing. Um, I'd agree that there were some turns they didn't earn. Right. Um, Which is not to say that I did not in a lot of ways enjoy watching the final season because I did for the most part enjoy watching it but and have emotions and Kathleen sobbed okay that's valid that is very valid I did not cry did you cry no no but I don't really cry no me neither (laughs) at tv or movies um which is very strange because I'm a huge crier in in Mm. life generally um but yeah, no, it was that that is where most of my criticism lies because I think it is perfectly valid to criticize things you like. Oh, totally. And Dan's like pulling the knife out already. I'm like, Dan, Dan, I'm not coming for the show that hard. I was gonna have something in my hands to wave around. Oh, okay, I know. And I'm school without a pen. That's fair. Um be yeah, like I'm not gonna go out and sign the petition to remake season eight, because like there's things that are too far even for me. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that like, oh, I'm not a fan of Benny Off Weiss now. Like I haven't been for a few seasons anyway. So um, yeah, like I, I, I didn't hate the season. I just was disappointed with a lot of the execution of it. I agree that there, again, there are some yeah. points, especially, especially uh, Daenerys' big turn. Mm. I didn't quite buy it. I think if they had sold it to me, yeah. I think I would have forgiven pretty much everything. But about the final episode, yes, I want us to name some things we liked and name some things we didn't. Okay. I'll go first. <laughs> we'll have an easier time. I really enjoyed, I thought they did a really good job, the, pretty much the entire sequence of Daenerys and Jon in the throne room from when she kind of stalks into it slowly and touches the throne, kind of paying off that season two moment a long time ago. I really liked that she was kind of back to being sort of the Daenerys as we know her. Like she's talking about when I was a little girl, I imagine the throne was like a mile high. And um, it almost comes off as like a little sociopathic because she just burned down a city full of people. But like, it, the, 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 way, the way that she played at Amelia Clark, like that's Daenerys. Like that's the Daenerys I know. Like she's still got some innocence in her. She's still got some dreams in her. And I mean, the the way she talked about wanting to make a better world and to, you know, you, I, I, I forget the exact line, but it was something like, um, you know, you can't go with half measures all the time when you really want to make a place where things are different which I could get behind. I thought it was very sweet. And I love Drogon burning the throne. I thought that was a fun moment. That was a good moment. Um, I liked that. I like to think that he was maybe like acting through her or she was acting through him. But at some level, she maybe knew that took her too far. And so she wanted to melt it down. I enjoyed that bit. I enjoyed the whole scene. I thought it was very well put together. Okay. So now I have to say a thing I liked. We didn't really plan to do this. Um, why don't you <laughs> respond to that? Maybe what you didn't like was that scene. Um... Actually, what I didn't like was Drogon burning the throne down. So. Why not? Because it was so heavy-handed. 
Like, I get all the symbolism, sure. blah, blah, blah. But symbolism, like, what? Yeah, I know. But, like, I don't know if dragons understand symbolism. And so <laughs> I'm, I was just, yeah, like, uh, sure, you can maybe think, oh, he's killing the thing that killed his mother, but hmm. because there's a pointy thing sticking out of her, but, like, wouldn't he be able to smell John on her and, like... See, that kind of... Okay, uh, here's my argument against that. That kind of... Um, okay, yes, it was heavy-handed symbolism, but, I mean, she, the, the John Snow just killed his lover in the throne and actually burned it down, fulfilling a dream. Like, there's some room for kapow symbolism in the show. <laughs> I, I don't think we need to avoid it all the time. And, I mean, sometimes mm. symbols are good. I really liked the directness of burning down the throne. It's the cause of all this mess. Screw you, chair. Do it. <laughs> and as far as, like... I feel like you can nitpick at a lot of stuff. Like, you know, why did he kill John? Why did he kill the throne rather than John? I mean, maybe John's a Targaryen. Maybe that's the reason. Or maybe it's just because some scenes can work on a metaphorical level and not have to, like, you know, work literally for everything. And I also like my little idea that Daenerys and Jorgen always had a, a big connection. That they always kind of, you know, they are, he's literally a magical creature. That he... And Tyrion has said the dragons are intelligent, but he just knew yeah. in his literal lizard brain <laughs> somehow that this was the reason. I think there is a kind of straight to the heart truth about that yeah, that I think worked. But they didn't earn it in the same way that they didn't earn a lot of stuff that went down. Sure. Um, what I would have liked to see is. <laughs> changing the blocking of the scene a little bit. So so John is standing in front of the throne when Dor- Drogon. So it makes sense that that he <laughs> You that, really wanted him to go for John. Yeah, I did. Um but like if he goes for John, tries to torch John, John is still standing cuz oh. And the throne is uh an unintended consequence. Gotcha. Yeah. I do not like that. That's fine. You don't have to like it. It's true. Because it's my fantasy of how Game of Thrones actually happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I will say one thing I liked. because I did, Go ahead. I did like some parts of the episode, guys. Uh, before we really quick, um, what did you guys think of the Drogon burns the throne scene? Yes, please We'd tell like us. We'd like to know. Please tell us. Okay. Um, Go on. I really, really liked Sansa Stark's coronation scene. Oh, good. I like that, too. I mean, look, I've been part of the Sansa Stark Brigade for, like, forever at this point, but I thought it was really, really well shot and just, like, didn't need any lines aside from Queen of the North, Queen yeah. of the North. That's all we need to see. But, like, the costuming of the Sansa. The dress was great. She's literally, like, a living weirwood tree. Oh, she looked great. She looked fucking good. Um, and there's all this super cool symbolism about it, and like I said, Sansa Stark Brigade. Um, but yeah, like, that was a killer scene. I mean, and that paid off a thing that has been percolating for quite a while. Yes, it did. I mean, she wanted to get Queen of the North way back in season six when they gave it to John. Like, you knew it. She wanted to, she wanted to get that for a long time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's an example that built pretty slowly. Yes. As finally as you get it, was satisfying. In fact, I liked that whole ending montage a lot. Okay. I'm still not quite sold on Arya exploring west of Westeros. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, cool idea, 
Like, did, did she ever really show, I don't know, interest in exploring right. for exploring's sake? But on the other hand, she has been all over the world. I mean, she has gone to a lot of places. She's not ready to settle down yet, clearly. Um, but I, I liked the way it was composed. I liked the kind of the, you know, the tripling. The You see all the three star kids from the back of their head walking off into thing. The more I think about it, the more I like John's ending. Um, okay. At first when I saw it, I didn't quite know what they were showing me when he's like walking out beyond the wall, which is A, an obvious reference to the, the first episode of the, the first scene of the show where they do the same thing with the wildlings. He might go and resettle them. He might go just join them. And the more I think about it, like, oh, I kind of like that ambiguity that is he sticking with the Night's Watch and just going out to help them or is he ranging or is he leaving? Like, I think that was a nice ending for John. Jon Snow finally ambiguous. It only took him eight seasons and 73 <laughs> Got some episodes. layers. Uh, yeah, no, I liked it too. I liked the shout out to the first mm-hmm. episode. I thought it was some nice kind of bookending of everything. Um, so I, I liked that too. Um, I will say I did not like Tyrion's speech about stories. <laughs> yeah, I mean... We talked about this in, in a, a bunch of detail on um, we did. the Wit Club episode this week about just Bran being king. Did it make sense? Did it not? What are they trying to say about it? What are they trying to get across? I think, I'm not sure we really had a consensus. No, but, um, there was no consensus. My basic argument was I, I like Bran on the throne. I think it says something about leadership and rulership they're trying to say about that Bran, this dispassionate... Um, you know, person who doesn't let his passions control him mm-hmm. is their idea of, okay, that should be a good leader. Someone who has the history in their head and will never repeat history because he remembers all of it was my basic argument. I could have used some more um, just interplay before they chose him, like some more horse trading for votes maybe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the story thing didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But Bran does make sense to me. Yeah. I do like the idea of him on the throne. How about this? Did you like that um, after all this kingship that they did make a incremental step towards not being an absolute hereditary monarchy? No. No. <laughs> no. Why not? Because you can instantly break that. Literally instantly break that over your heel. I mean, you can break anything over your heel. Well, yeah, uh, over your knee, not your heel. Sorry. It's, Wait, where's the heel? This is your heel? Whatever. This is your heel. Okay. So, you, uh. under your heel, <laughs> more like, because you would step out. Anyway, um, <laughs> it, it, it just didn't, it was this very weird attempt to kind of be mildly democratic without being totally democratic, and... I mean, at the end of the day, it's too easy to horse trade it. And because they showed Bran becoming king without horse trading, Mm -hmm. it makes it really hard to buy that that system would continue well for any period of time. I mean, you can interpret it that way. But I think also, again, it's like think about what they're trying to say. Maybe they're saying that absolute change, like quick change to democracy, they laughed at it. They laughed Sam out of the room. Yeah. Um, just isn't possible. Maybe they're endorsing an incremental 
uh, system. And I mean, yes, you can break it, but you, if they tried to institute democracy all of a sudden, I don't think it would have made a whole lot of sense. You could break that too. Or, I mean, anything can fall apart, but mm. isn't the trying the reason we're here, Cheryl? For those who are listening on the podcast, <laughs> um, I was making such a face right then. Like, such a face. I hope you can feel it. It was a face of kind of minor discomfort and disbelief. Um, More like major discomfort and disbelief. Um, Anyway, yeah, but it was just, it seemed so fairy tale in a way that I have not been either conditioned to accept or have been uh, ready to accept in Game of Thrones. And I've heard that complaint, and it, it seems kind of contradictory to me a little bit. What do you mean? The people are saying, you know, it's a fairy tale ending, but I mean, they barely make a dent in the monarchy. Like, it's not a huge shift. Like, I think it's a little more, gr- it seems more grounded. I think we're, I'm not arguing about the ending so much as the readiness. Like, the. Oh, sure. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my sticking point is the readiness by which all of this was accepted. I mean, literally, Lin-Manuel Miranda has made so much money, mm-hmm. so much money, <laughs> over showing in the second act of Hamilton, you know, winning is easy, governing is harder. Like, it should have been harder, I guess? And that's why I'm saying it's very fairy tale to me. We have not been conditioned to accept that all of these different people, no matter how many of them are Stark relatives, because so many of them are Stark relatives. There are a bunch, yeah. Would that easily, with all of their disparate interests mm-hmm. and motivations, be willing to accept this, even this gradual change after, what, nearly 300 years of hereditary monarchy in some form or another? Yes, but also after 300 years of really, really bad hereditary monarchs, just like being the worst. I mean, yeah, but... Maybe they're a sacrifice. Sure, but explain that to me. Earn this change. You know, even if you drop it in hints, whatever, mm-hmm. earn the change. What if they did through the whole show? People being very upset <sighs> as they wore. Podcast another eye roll. Oh, my God. I think they should have had more uh, talking in that scene. Yes. But I like the end of it, and it didn't strike me as fairy tale. You know, it's a weird disconnect people have been mm-hmm. talking about. Um, was it too happy? I mean, in a way that it was like, it was everything. It was Daenerys dying. It's not a happy ending. No. Like, you know, Jamie, Cersei, Theon, all of it. Even John being exiled. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't think it was too happy. I thought it was, again, after the long, brutal stuff everyone been through, not everyone was going to be, like, miserable. Some folk... And I also like that it didn't end, you know, it, it, it left some room, not in a sequel bait kind of way, which HBO confirmed they're not making any sequels to this. <laughs> or, do you not believe that or what? Um, I believe that it's true right now. Gotcha. You think it'll come back? I don't believe it'll be true in five or 10 years. Yeah, we'll see. We will. But, um... It didn't feel like they were setting up for it, though. I really believe that. No. I think that just it's an acknowledgement that, you know, life goes on. Like, these characters are not going to stop living their lives because... No. Uh, 
I just found it very tonally clunky. I will say the episode as a whole because they were just so different in the halves. Right. Yeah, like is all my of objection is, to the tone is tonally clunky. Is and clunky is the best word I can find for it. Um, just that it kind of drop. It, yeah, it's just it's wonky. That's especially towards the end there when everybody goes back to sitting and doing the the business of of governing like how long does it take for Tyrion to adjust the chairs did we really need Tyrion adjusting the chairs for that long well he's um <laughs> trying to get back into the handship swing of things i didn't mind that i didn't really quite get it but yeah like, like i didn't get it um so yeah like just all of that shift was very weird for me to accept. No, I agree I that uh, it should have been two episodes. I, I stand by that. Yeah. But um, even then, taking it by itself, and, th- th- and there was even a pleasure in kind of seeing the follow-up. Not perfect, but I did enjoy the finale even quite a bit. I did feel fulfilled at the end. <laughs> and I know even in the comments, people are raging back and forth. Oh, of course they are. you... <laughs> John's have a different ending, says Janet. I don't agree. I like John's ending. I thought that was Mickey sensey The stars got a happy ending, says Karen. They did. They did. Yeah. But again, I mean, it, it, it's kind of that there and back again thing. Like, Frodo gets a happy ending, but he's changed. They're all changed. They can't go back. Mm-hmm. Um, Bran's literally not even Bran Stark anymore. I am Bran. I am robot. No. 0000111. <laughs> Ooh, whipping out binary and everything. Look, they are a lot of things we can talk about. I mean, there really are. It was... <laughs> so many things. Quite a show. We'll be looking back on it in the future. Back in the season, back in the series, back in this episode. Let's move on now, because we're not actually 100% done with new Game of Thrones episodes. Although we pretty much are. Um, this Sunday, there's going to be a behind-the-scenes documentary about all these uh, showrunners, writers, actors, thinking they are making God's gift to television. And it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be a weird watch, right? Let's watch the preview and see what we think. For the last watch this Sunday, when Game of Thrones usually air. This is strange. Here we are at the last table read. It's like looking around and seeing your family. It's our biggest season ever. Every episode has as much in it as one feature film. It's like, oh my God. What was I thinking? Winter's coming, yeah. I can't even begin to imagine how this is going to look on TV. Here we go. Been doing night shoots. I could not have worked harder. I really have given this everything I have. It's such a magical place. It's hard to say goodbye to everybody. That was Amelia's last shot on Game of Thrones. This is a dream job, a director. This show saved my life. It's hard to fathom that I'll never be coming back. Best thing I've ever done. And we're back. The Last Watch documentary. Okay, first things first. Are you watching it? Probably. Like... Are you going to cover it? Uh, not extensively, I don't think. We'll be covering it WIC, just FYI. Yeah, you'll be covering it WIC. We'll probably have, you know, some brief coverage. Uh, I'm mostly going to be watching it to watch Kit Harrington cry, so... 
No, that's fine. Um, and for schadenfreude purposes. Can I prod that a little bit? Why do you want to get her into crying? I just think it's going to be funny. <laughs> like, um, I, I just, you know, we have read how many interviews where they talk about their emotions when it comes to this stuff. But like, they're just words on a page and you don't know how much is kind of celebrity nonsense and how sure. much is like actually accurate. Um, so I think it'll be refreshing to see I think it will be too. how much genuine feeling there is in all of this. Not, not to say that I don't believe them when they say, Oh yeah, this show has been part, like part of my life. Like I'm, I love it. I'm so glad to have been there more just like the kind of, yeah, the, the balance between what is real and what is artifice. And sure, also because I, I think it'd that. be, I think it would be really funny to watch Canary to cry. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie to you I'm looking forward to here. it. Um, I, I, I think it might, might remind people of just, that there is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into this. Yeah. Like a, ton, a ton of feeling, a ton of effort, a ton of, uh, a ton of dreams. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be interesting to watch. And Brett here arguing that uh, Brett James, everybody got what they wanted. I still I disagree with you there. Some did. Like, Jamie and Cersei enter and leave the world together. I don't know if that's what they wanted exactly. Mm. I, I don't think I think we'll want to like Cersei wanted to get out of there. Cersei wanted to maybe to survive. It just happened that they happened to be holding each other like a womb kind of thing. So I, I do think it qualifies as bittersweet. Yeah. And Julie is looking forward to the last watch. I am too. And finally, okay, here's something. Maybe Tyrion should have gone to the watch with John. I, I would have liked that. Yeah, I think that might have been Yeah, I, I would have liked that, that better. Because you know, he's a prisoner too. Yeah. But instead he just gets to be handed the king because he doesn't want it. I mean, apparently that is, uh, that's his punishment, was what the way Bran put it. Yeah, but... He spent the rest of his life correcting the mistakes. Which is like, okay, fine. I mean, and all he did was let Jamie out. It's like, John's the real target here. He killed the freaking queen. Yeah. Like, we're thinking about this a lot. <laughs> what? No, because that's been a complaint. Like, yeah. Why would Grey Worm hold them prisoner? Because, I mean, John killed the queen and Daenerys and, and, and Tyrion was already a prisoner. Yeah, and why? That makes sense to me. Why did John. I mean, I know why John turned himself in, but like. Oh, come on. <laughs> buddy. My dude, my guy. This is like the one time to not have principles. That was never going to be a thing. I John know. Did. But. Ugh. So, yeah, I, I wasn't bothered by that part of it. No. Um, finally, moving on a bit, uh, <laughs> Chris Payne, if Jimmy and Cersei had moved 10 feet over, they'd still be alive. I don't know about that. It was a little discordant, the way they, like, had the whole thing collapse in the episode, but then Tyrion, like, removed three bricks, and there they were. Um, yeah. <laughs> but whatever, you got the point. Go stand in an archway, you idiots. <laughs> I there believe is the... There, 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 there was a lot of rubble. Yeah. Um, moving on, though, so... Is the ending to Game of Thrones going to be the same as the ending to Song of Ice and Fire? That's now kind of where we're at for that. And then George R. R. Martin said things about it. George R. R. Martin is becoming one of my favorite people to read online. I love just, he just kind of blurts out stuff and something you shouldn't, but it's great. I love it. I mean, yeah. All right, read it to me. Um, okay. So the question we're now, will A Song of Ice and Fire be the same as Game of Thrones, the ending? Now, basically, okay, here's what George R. Martin said. Well, yes and no, and yes and no, and yes and no, and yes. 
he gave a whole big spiel on Slana Blog about how, you know, they're working in a different medium than me. I intend my books to be 3,000 pages each, or I mean, total, I think. That's way too much. Um, that's still way you know, too much. Th there are <laughs> <there are> characters <laughs> who aren't in the books who you'll find the stories of, you know, Arian Martell and Aegon Targaryen, another fuck I don't really care about. Um, he, he, he didn't say no, so yes. Like, this is pretty much George R. R. Martin's ending. I am 98%, 99%, you know, 100% sure. Th this is the ending. He'll get to it a lot more slowly, which could solve some of the problems we had with it, setting things up a little uh, more far ahead of time. I think I, I, th I think it definitely will. Yeah, it'll help. I mean, too slowly, frankly. Yeah, because um, the bloat. The bloat. Just the bloat's a problem. The bloat. <laughs> and then he asked the kind of uh, rhetorical Zen Kawan Booker show, which will be the real ending? It's a silly question. How many children did Scarlett O'Hara have? Referencing that she had, I think, three in the book, Gone with the Wind, and one in the movie, which is a way of saying the re the, there, there, there is no real ending. That's not a thing. It doesn't exist. No. It's like th these are two different mediums. They both will have a real ending. And yeah. uh, no one is more real than the other is my takeaway from that. Yeah, that's basically what he's saying. Mm -hmm. um, but I think <laughs> not everyone will come to it it with as zen of an approach as he has oh totally in the we all can't be brands no we cannot thankfully we no <laughs> yes no yeah. um <laughs> no -uh. <laughs> okay go on um <laughs> my favorite character on star trek is dr mccoy that should tell you everything I've never seen star trek uh, oh my god what's wrong with you um is anyway I don't think people are going to come to the same conclusion because basically Game of Thrones got there first. And so oh. I think in the grand collective memory of media, there will probably be this tendency to think of the Game of Thrones ending as the true ending or the at least the more prominent ending, if not necessarily sure. the true ending. Like, people are going to remember the Game of Thrones ending before they're going to remember how A Song of Ice, of Ice and Fire ends, mostly because it doesn't take a quadrillion hours to get through 1,500 pages. <laughs> I don't know, though. I mean, yeah. I, 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 after the, the strong response to the Game of Thrones ending, mm -hmm. I think there are some uh, fans out there who are like, I can't wait to read the real ending in A Song of Ice and Fire. And Yeah, I, I'm talking more about the... Not necessarily the the kind of the diehards of the fandom, so much as I'm sure. talking about the collective media consciousness here. Oh, okay, sure, yeah, yeah. I, I'm on board with that. Yeah, this is yeah. I mean, I, I still think that doesn't discount the the central kind of tenet, which is they're both going to be real. No, like when people talk about when the media talks about the Game of Thrones ending, it's not, it's not going to mean the Song of Ice and Fire ending. No, for some, got them mixed up, but well, of course, but. I'm saying more that the tendency in the collective consciousness is to remember and be more conscious of and prefer to Game of Thrones over A Song of Ice and Fire, not just because it got there first, but because, well, mostly because it got there first. But, you know, and for the, the, easy, the ease of getting to the ending, because, you know, it's only 70-odd hours instead of however long it's going to take you to read through all seven books. I mean, you, like a weekend. No, actually, it takes me a while to read George R. R. Martin because I get, I just get like, I, I can't after a while with his prose. It's hmm. it, he, 
Martin is not one of those authors that I sit down and just devour. It, it just yeah, doesn't work for me, so. Well, we'll be talking more about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Rise yes, and Fire when uh, A Song of Dan and Josh returns in the coming weeks. Maybe not next week. I think I might need one more week of break. But uh, <laughs> very, but, but, but very soon. You, too, need a break from George R. R. Martin. No, I want to get back into it. <laughs> I are, actually already read the next chapter last night. Just I wanted to get ahead of well. it. Well. But uh, no, just, you know, I want some just chill time for Dan. But um, we'll be bringing that. More Song of Dan and Josh. Our Song of Fire read-through. We're not going anywhere. We'll be back here next week, uh, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Talking about more. I think for a while we'll be looking back on Fallout. Just impressions, highs and lows of the series. What it means. Where it's going. And, of course, there's a world of television out there that's going to be inspired by Game of Thrones. So much uh, television. That's, <laughs> that, 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 that's all. Oh, God. Too much television. It's already being inspired by Game of Thrones. So much television. Talk about that. Um, I would love to talk about things that are... And you know, there's prequels coming up. We'll talk about things that aren't Game of Thrones. There, there is a lot of other movies and TV shows out there. What? That I would love to discuss. I hope you guys will come along for the ride. Yes. I really enjoyed this with you. We're not done, but this is going to be a new era. And Lisa says, thanks for joining this podcast. You're welcome, Lisa. And you, you can find us on uh, iTunes and Google Play. Spreaker, I want to say. I don't know, somewhere else. Um, thanks a lot for watching, everybody. Have any final thoughts, Cheryl? No, uh, of course. Thank you guys for watching. Um, glad to explore this. What do we do now, Era? With you guys, who knows? We'll see what happens. Oh. And I do agree that Julie, that the negativity is tiring. It is. It is tiring. Like you, I don't know. What's tiring? Oh, the negativity. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a drain on the soul, a little bit. When, yeah, that's when why you're I try steeped in it. to be measured in my criticism. And I, yeah, and you totally are. Yeah, it's the best. Because even I can get tired of drinking Haterade. Here. Here's a knife. It's a reward. <laughs> All right. He's telling me what I can do with my negativity. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week at Wednesday at 4 p.m. I'll love you all. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for watching, and adios. Bye, everyone. This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.